welcome to rhetoric Orama, a podcast about all things rhetoric. Here are your hosts, Dr. David R. Dewberry and Dr. Tim, as seen on TV, McGee. I'm Dave. And I'm Tim. And today we continue our third season of rhetoric Orama by discussing the wonderful world of rhetoric. This season is on the rhetoric of X, where X equals a subject, a profession, a field, or a discourse community. And today's topic is the rhetoric of smoking marijuana, specifically smoking it for the very first time. And let's hear some untranslated Latin or Greek to get us started. Enth out ala enoesa helena dios engawa. Autic ar ace oinan baile formicon enthen epinon. Nepenthes ta akolon to kakon epilathon apantone. You know, Tim, that was a, a just a fabulous, great choice. <laughs> uh, so, Tim, are we high for thinking this episode would be a good idea? The only thing we're thinking about is getting high-er in the podcast charts, and I'm willing to bet that talking about weed is more appealing to more people than our episode on epideictic rhetoric. Well, I guess time will tell, Tim, but uh, as you know, we've taken an old journal article uh, that looks at a sociological approach to becoming a marijuana user. Uh, but we do rhetoric. Well, I think at least we try to. So how can we, uh, how can we make this sociological approach uh, sound like it's a rhetorical approach? Let's just say we're looking at the discourse surrounding the smoking of weed for the first time. Okay, that works for me, Sam. So I guess the question that starts all this off is, uh, what accounts for people's behavior after smoking uh, marijuana? That's easy, Dave. It's a social experience that is facilitated in and through discourse. I would assume that it would be the actual smoking of that marijuana, Tim. And you'd be wrong for assuming that, Dave. You're wrong because all behaviors have some meaning attributed to them. And that meaning is created in communication with others, others who could be individuals or society at large. Now, if I'm following you, Tim, when it comes to someone smoking marijuana, um, that person has to gain an understanding of what that means, and they get that meaning through interactions with others. Uh, and I guess that which that makes this uh, topic ideal for our season on various discourse communities, I would say. Uh, this also suggests to me two things. One, that we're talking about smoking marijuana through the lens of symbolic interactionism, and that we're uh, talking about smoking marijuana recreationally. Correct on both accounts, Dave. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and get started. Now, Dave, did you know that not everyone gets high the first time they smoke weed? <laughs> you know, Tim, I've heard that. Uh, I've heard that expression, and that you never get high the first time uh, you smoke weed. And I think the reason that most people give is they don't know how to do it uh, properly. Correct, Dave. Smoking weed requires taking deep breaths, and that is not like smoking a cigarette. You have to take a deep breath as you inhale and hold it for a bit. That is the reasoning behind Bill Clinton's attempt at admitting to smoking marijuana, but not really smoking marijuana. If you recall, Clinton was campaigning for president, and when asked if he smoked weed, he said that he did, but did not inhale while at a pub in Oxford. The inhaling is the key part. You know, Tim, I I wonder if he knew that he was supposed to inhale. If he had cool friends, he did, because as the point of this episode is the following, to learn to smoke, you'd sit with friends who'd help you along. Uh, or they can listen to our podcasts. Changing one life at a time, Dave. <laughs> That's true, right? And if I recall, uh, Barack Obama 
when uh, confronted, asked if he ever smoked weed and inhaled, he said, I think he said, I, I believe that's the point. But anyway, <laughs> so now I guess getting back to our topic, now once you've learned to smoke weed, uh, you'd be high or uh, as some people might say, quote unquote, stoned. Right, Tim? Yes and no. The people around you would know, but you wouldn't. The reason for this is because they know that the symptoms or signs of being high on cannabis are, but you don't. You don't know this because it's your first time. Some people would think after the first time smoking that they were immune to the drug or that others had exaggerated their experiences. But it would take those around them to point out, hey, the reason you're eating all those Girl Scout cookies and all that deli ham is because you're baked, man. That's how we learn to attribute meaning to the behaviors and experiences associated with the consumption of cannabis. So I guess ultimately the idea is that there has to be the physical and mental effects of the drug, but also the recognition of it. And you learn that through in and through discourse. So to the old adage, if a person smokes weed for the first time alone in a forest, does that person get high? Yes, she does, but she probably doesn't know it. Well, that's a fair point. All right. Now, I guess the last point of all this is that we need to learn that the effects of the drug are pleasant. And I don't know about you, Tim, but I know a few folks, one in particular, uh, who smoked weed for the first time and had such a negative physical and mental experience uh, that he called 911. Did they get help? Well, I mean, if you call getting laughed at by the police and the paramedics help, then yes, yes, they certainly <laughs> did. But I guess the point here is to build from is that smoking marijuana isn't necessarily pleasurable, at least for the first time. So let's quote directly from the journal article we're taking all this from. Uh, they say, quote, the user feels dizzy, thirsty, his scalp tingles, he misjudges time and distances. And others, uh, Tim, have explained the effects as, quote, producing both physiological and psychological effects, among them dizziness, loss of bodily coordination, heaviness in the extremities, increase in the heart rate, disorientation of thought patterns, disturbance of memory, distortion in temporal and spatial perception, and on top of all that, the user might feel sick, scared, panicky, and even paranoid. And Tim, there's the coughing, severe coughing. It might feel like you're going to die. These are not pleasurable experiences. No, they are not, Tim. And I'd reason that if they were truly unpleasant, no one would ever smoke again. I think uh, it wouldn't be puff, puff, pass. It would be puff, cough, goodbye. That's right, but the first-time user learns to redefine these unpleasant experiences as being not so bad to be even desirable, and they learn to do this with a little help from their friends. You could even say people get high with a little help from their friends. Yes, and if there are unpleasant experiences, the first-time user learns that these are temporary and fleeting because the real fun is on the way, in part because they learn to redefine the experience. So the take-home point here is... Um, that learning to smoke weed for the first time, recognizing the effects of the cannabis, and learning to enjoy the effects of marijuana requires discourse with others. And the lesson seems to be, if you're going to get high, do it with friends. One, because you don't know what you're doing, and two, because it's more fun with others. That's true, Tim. And in our discussion, we've kind of highlighted the uh, smoking of marijuana, but uh, we've marginalized the consumable uh, aspect of marijuana. So we should talk about that. So the reason that all what we've said applies to smoking cannabis and not edibles is because people smoking cannabis experience its effects almost immediately and usually stop smoking shortly after feeling its first effects. Now, 
Here's the big difference, Tim. Edibles can take up to 45 minutes to have an effect, and someone can easily consume many times more than the recommended dosage before they feel any effect, and when they do, whammo. Good point, Dave. Now it's time for the bonus content. Will it be a fallacy, a historical anecdote, or rhetorical device? Let's have Dr. Tim spin the wheel. Looks like it's time for another historical tidbit. I've got something interesting here. What's that? Uh, so far in this podcast, we've approached rhetoric mainly from a classical perspective. That's true, Dave. So I looked to see if Cicero and Aristotle ever fired up a bowl and got high. And what I found was that they might have, ha they might have or the people of classical Greece and Rome most likely used something along the lines of cannabis. And there's evidence from Latin and Greek sources that uh, one scholar says, quote, uh, certain properties inherent in cannabis were known and used for medicinal purposes among these classical times. Uh, but there is not much support for the idea of smoking marijuana re recreationally uh, during that time, but uh, by which I mean as an intoxicant. And I'd wager a dollar that is more likely that they probably used it uh, as medicine for horses. So it was their version of ivermectin. <laughs> well, yeah, yes. And uh, even today, uh, no one is using that to get high. But anyway. All right, Tim, uh, who's sponsoring today's episode? Today's episode is sponsored by the Encyclopedia of Wokeness. As listeners know, various terms that were once common have been identified as offensive to people on the receiving end of hurtful discrimination by people of privilege. Obvious examples are derogatory terms denoting race, gender, nationality, religion, and sexual preference. But not everyone is aware of the origins of some insults that have become obscured by time. For example, few people realize that the term hocus-pocus, to refer to meaningless gibberish or deceptive trickery, actually descends from an anti-Catholic slur used by Protestants, imitating the Latin phrase hoc est corpus meum, which means this is my body in the Catholic Mass. So get yourself a copy of the Encyclopedia of Wokeness to identify the next round of common expressions that may soon become taboo, available online or at a better bookstore if you can actually find one. I'm David Archdewberry, and that's Tim is seen on TV McGee. We're professors of communication at Ryder University, and this has been Rhetoric O Rama, a podcast about all things rhetoric. If you have any questions or are looking for more information, you can contact us via our website, rhetoric.fun, or consult your local library. And you can still email suggestions you have for future shows by emailing us at rhetoric.fun at gmail.